As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you catch yourself in the mirror on the tube? Yeah. On the way here, stop me, because I feel like this might be the most mental thing I've said in ages. I considered growing a soul patch. Now you're going to have to explain to me what that is. A soul patch is like that little bit, like, just there. Do you know I used to have one of them? Yeah? Like, just that. Like, no other beard, just like a soul patch. Yeah, yeah, I used to have that. And I'll tell you for why. I what? don't know why they call it Go a soul on. patch, because I was inspired by Grady Avenel of Wilhaven. Ah, there you go. There you go. So, but I, I, don't know why well. I don't know why they're called soul patches. Mate, you'd look I'm really... I'm a soul patch. You'd look really, like, baddie from Breaking Bad. Would I? I reckon, yeah. Oh, that's, that might have swayed me. <laughs> Let me know if I should get a soul patch at Not Metal Pod. This is Benji from Skin Dread. Big up Ilan B's podcast. Here it is. You know what? One thing I know. That's not metal. That's not metal. That's not metal. You're the podcast. That's not metal. That's not metal. That's not metal. You're the podcast. I choose one that's doing it now. Ilan B's, am I running it now? So put your arms in the air. Let them know that you're up. And we bring the metal news and you know we don't stop. But tell them that's not metal. That's not metal. That's not metal, you're the podcast That's not metal, that's not metal That's not metal, you're the podcast Now step up, Beezer And let the people them know what I'm in the heavy metal world right now Go on, and make tell them, tell them, go on, go on, son Hello, bonjour, I'm out of foreign oh. languages to say hello Oh yeah, bonjour's your cat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I thought she oh. is, there she is That was the voice of Stephen Hill It was Confused and surprised <laughs> at the idea that my cat had somehow followed me here to the studio. No, that only happens when we're in my front room and Bill and Ted decides to kick off. Yeah, they did, not they? And I am bees, and this is That's Not Metal, powered by EMP. Of course it is. Coming up over the course of this show, we're going to talk about the Avenged Sevenfold uh, UK tour that's been announced this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nails. Yeah. What the fuck? Well, we'll get to that. Uh, new tracks from Alter Bridge and King 810. There's going to be album reviews. Oh, yeah, Corn as Corn. well. We'll be talking about that a bit later on. There's album reviews this week from Billy Talent, The Descendants, and Despised Icon. And our album club comes from Alice in Chains with their comeback album, Black Gives Way to Blue. And you saw them this week in New York City. I did, mate. Yeah. In New York. New York. Did they, did they, did anyone at any point say, I'm walking here? Yeah, me. 
Yeah, did you? I <laughs> yeah. bet you did. Multiple Every fucking times. Every five seconds. Yeah, a lot of the time I, I did. I spend all day waiting for the schmuck. Yeah, I did. All uh, of them. Did a lot of them. Ones. All of them. Good. EMP can give you 10% off of all <laughs> band merch. And anything that you're going to buy in terms of rock clothing or accessories, collectibles, CDs and vinyl, don't forget emp-online.co.uk and use the code NOTMETAL at the checkout. Something very exciting going on this week in on it? That's Not Metal.net. Yes. I'm very excited about this one because this is going to be a voyage of discovery for me as much as for you guys because we are going to be doing over the course of the next three weeks we're going to be covering the history of hardcore Mm -hmm. and this week concentrates on the roots of hardcore so we're going to be telling you everything you need to know about Black Flag and Bad Brains and Minor Threat and we'll do profiles like we have done on the other ones except on Rollins and Mackay and a bunch of those things Steve. Yes, mate. This is this is your moment, this one. This is your one to shine, isn't it? I know. I am like limbering up mentally yeah. as we speak to talk about all these things. And again, you know, it it's quite hard for someone who wasn't there, because let's be honest, we were re- like we yeah. said this about the Metallica 80 special. Yeah. It's hard because we weren't really there. Yeah. We really weren't there. For yeah, this. of course. Like, there's no way that we were there at no, all. No, and, and the thing is this this scene doesn't have as many myths around it because it's a smaller subgenre, right? Well, you or is say that, true? that. Right. that's not true. I don't right. think hold that's that. true. Hold that thought then, because you're oh, going to yeah, tell us why. No, no, I'm only not. for subscribers though, right? Three yeah. pounds a month or seventeen pounds a year. Don't forget, of course, you can get access when you subscribe to all of our old specials. So there's a, a date to remember. That was our, that's our most recent thing. They came yep. on and did album roulette with us. There's specials on Metallica and Slipknot. There's our room 101s mm-hmm. and us going through our personal A to Z of awful. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Good. Uh, our life stories so steve interviewed me and i interviewed steve that's uh hill meets bees and bees meets hill loads of other stuff as well uh upcoming specials we're going to be doing nirvana we're going to do the uh the best and worst of 2013 you can already check out what that entails with the best and worst of 2002 that we've already done so that's why you should subscribe at that's not metal.net get pumped history of hardcore coming this wednesday so looking forward to this right now we need to ask you a little fla- a little favour, something that I think that you'll all be super into. So this weekend we're at London Comic Con, or I am. You free this weekend? Yeah. Come down to London Comic Con. It'll be jokes. I was going. Um, Wicked. There we go, then. <laughs> yeah. We are both going to be at London Film and Comic Con this coming Saturday. Uh, and what we are doing there is we are walking around and finding the most metal characters or finding characters and discussing why they are and are not metal. Mm. What we want you to do is think about a character, anyone from outside the realm of music. So video games, movies, TV shows, comics. We want you to send us a picture to hashtag EMPUKCrew of the most metal character. Uh, I'm going to rattle off three and I'm going to ask you your three a little bit later on in the show. All right. My number one draft pick. First thing that came to mind as soon as I thought about this. Yeah. Shredder. Oh, yeah. Shredder is definitely, like, the most metal. Like, look at that guy. Do you know he does a voice of Shredder? Yeah, Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. That's mad. Uncle Phil from... Is he still alive, Uncle Phil? Uh, Sadly, he's not. Ah, bummer. Oh, yeah, of course he isn't, because every time anyone mentions a Fresh Prince reboot, I'm like, no, Uncle Uncle Phil. Phil. What can you do? What can you do about that? So, yeah, Shredder is my number one uh, pick. I would say that there is also... um, the uh, the the 
the black guy from American Horror Story who's got the X, the voodoo guy. He's, oh. he's got an X in the middle of his yeah. head, and he's that got a guy. massive. He's got a massive top hat with loads of skulls on it, right? Papa Shango. So, <laughs> Papa Shango is a great show. Did you see, someone asked us a question this week. That's who is the best Papa? Papa Emeritus, Papa Papa Shango, Papa Baba Diop, and some other some not other, fucking yeah, Papa Booba Diop, and mate, some other no some other person called Papa. I can't remember who the other one was. Uh, and my third one, um, I think I'm gonna go for Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Like, Is that the witch? Was yeah, it? the witch who's like a, an octopus, and she looks well goth. She's yeah. got like she's got like one of those sort of fifty-year-old ex-rockabilly type haircuts because it's right. like black and white. I've not seen that and for then, a long time. That film. I'll show you a picture of. I think of I know Ursula, you mean, That yes. one. I, metal yes. as fuck, yeah? yeah. Yeah, she's pretty metal. Yeah, that's actually my fiance, my, my wife's uh, favorite film, The Little Mermaid. Ah, it's a good shout. It's it a good yeah. shout. It's definitely one of the uh, one of the better Disney films, and it also features uh, Simple Plan yeah. singing about <laughs> kissing in the rain. It does. Yeah. So, what we want from you at Not Metal Pod hashtag EMP UK crew. That is important because your entrants are going to go on the massive screen at London <laughs> Film Comic Con, all right? So we're relying on you here. Hashtag EMP UK crew. We want you to send us a picture of who you think the most metal-looking character is. We're going to discuss this a little bit later on in the show when we come back to your suggestions. Bloody right. I am bloody stoked. I'm really glad. That uh, I didn't name anyone that's in your three. No, you wicked. haven't. Uh, Avenged Sevenfold have announced a UK tour. The that shit is, sandwich tour. That is, <laughs> don't you, oi. <laughs> oi. Oi. Just uh, better than anything Inflames have done for the past fucking nearly 15 years now. Yeah, that's true. Rubbish. Um, so. Or, as David Jane would say, rubber dip 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 rubbish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to go uh, go and get a roti during <laughs> Disturbed. You have a, 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 a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Uh, so it is Event Sevenfold, Disturbed and in Flames. Uh, it's in massive arenas. It's doing the O2 in London. That's huge. So what I wanted to talk about with regards to this, because obviously that's news for y'all. Tickets are on sale now. Um, but uh, does this really... Because I was taken aback by the fact that a band that the last time Disturbed played a UK headline show in London, mm. they headlined Wembley Arena. It's a long time that ago. Was, it was it? a long time ago, mm. but even still, they were third from the top on the bill at Download, mm -hmm. and they are coming here as support to Avenged Sevenfold. Mm -hmm. Does this really establish Avenged Sevenfold as a totally top-tier band? Yeah. No it, doubt about it, really. So, is well, this is the hard rock equivalent of what happened with Slipknot and Corn, I think. Yes. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of crossover there. They're two massive bands. They are, or do, despite coming from virtually two different eras. I mean, Avenge didn't break for like half a decade after Disturbed. That's true. Yeah. Like um, they are, they still share a kinship because it's. Budweiser and hot dog metal, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah, for, yeah. for both of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was when we when we've spoken in the past about our, our event sevenfold festival headliners anymore. Um, like we've kind of gone, oh, I don't know, because that last one didn't quite connect, and it's been a long time, as it always is with event sevenfold between records. Are they? If they were to be booked in 2017, would they be headliners? This makes me think. Well. Obviously, if a band yeah. that are third headliners at Download have to play support to them. I think that this is a really good indicator of um, of the band going away for a long time and 
and being missed. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because it, it has, happens has been a long yeah. time. It's been, like, you know, it'll be 2017. The last time we saw them was headline download 2014. They've lost a drummer, gained another drummer. We still don't know exactly, precisely when the new album's going to be out. No, but, but this does give you hope that it'll be by the end of the year. I think it definitely like, will. I saw a studio I would ex- clip. I'd yeah, I mean, that, that was out a while ago. Yeah, and that was sort of April. I but think, they were, they, that was pre-production. Like, so, yeah. like, I was still, like, an avenged to, like, to take their time. Mm. But with them already booking festival dates in the States from October and this UK tour backed for, uh, booked for January, you would have to say I would expect an Avenged Sevenfold album in quarter four of 2016. Would you expect them to be over here headlining downloads in 2017? Would you well, think it's a bit too early? Well, I mean, they did it last time, didn't they? They did the arena tour in, yeah. like, January time, and then they came back and headlined download. Um, do I expect them to be on the download headliner list? No. No, I don't. I would be I'd be surprised if we don't see Metallica there next year because it's always one of Iron Maiden, Metallica and Black Sabbath and we have Metallica uh, Black Sabbath mm. and Iron Maiden this year and Metallica have got a record out at the end of the year. Yeah, that's um, one. So it'll be Metallica. I would wager that the other two if I was a betting man I would say Guns N' Roses and Bring Me the Horizon are probably the most likely. But having sounds s- about right, doesn't it? Yeah. Having said that, Bring Me the Horizon's uh, UK tour hasn't sold out. When you look at the dates, there's a, a lot. I'm not even sure if any of them have sold out. So yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe on Bring Me the Horizon, but it, I would like. To, I would certainly like to think that there will be at least one younger headliner. Mm. Please, <laughs> please, I think, um, please. I think um, the gap between Slipknot in 2009 and then they came back and did it in 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. With a sonosphere in between, With though. a sonosphere in between. Um, yeah, yeah maybe. That, that should mean, I mean, because people, I'm just thinking when it gets announced, oh, they only headlined a couple of years ago. That yeah. whole thing's going to come well, out. Well, I think that this one depends on the, it depends on the album. This is a big bit, as I'm sure we'll talk about in the run up yeah. to it, but this is a big record. Well, they are forever now, aren't they? When you get to be that size as a band, mm. every album is a big album forever yeah. until, until you reach the point where you're... I guess Metallica's new album's not really a... No. It is a big album, but it's not like, I th- what if they fuck this up? Well, I think Avenged Sevenfold are in that same position that Slipknot are in, whereas basically they've only got to write two bangers per record because the set list is already pretty full up. Yeah. With other, with all the other stuff. So new songs, like you just need a handful of them really to get by. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Slipknot headlined uh, download on All Hope Is Gone. Mm. Like no one is like, it's no one's favourite Slipknot record. Let me put it that way. No. Um, and it didn't affect them at all, did it? No. Because uh, they had Psychosocial and uh, Dead Memories like mm. there was a couple of big hitters on that record and that was enough. And I think that's all Avenge need. But I would like to see the pace come back for the love of fuck. Well, I actually did an interview with the new drum with old Brooks Wackerman. Oh yeah, of course you did, yeah. Band, and he said, uh, we don't, ex- I, he was like, I, you know, it was pretty early on. Yeah. But he was like, I don't expect it to go down that same route anymore. I feel like they will go somewhere else. Oh, that's good. And, which is good, yeah. Because like, I, th- I thought... I, I don't like Hell to the King at all. I think all. it's all right. Mm. It just lacks personality. Yeah. Because all the personality is Metallica's. Yeah. Or Iron Maiden's. Like, I miss Avenged Sevenfold, those gothic overtones and those yeah. turns of pace. And... Well, when you talk about sort of hot dog, you know, burger and fries, 
you know, yeah. American rock yeah. and comparing them with Disturbed and saying they have a kinship. Mm. I mean, there was so much more in the way of uh, flourishes of, you know, grandiose things in their earlier material that yeah. a band like Disturbed have never had. Yeah. And that's always what set them apart. Like, even when they were making, you know, when we talked about City of Evil before, and it's like, well, they're making a big hard rock record. Yeah. But to call it, a, you know, a big dumb hard rock record, Fuck you can't no. call those no, no. albums that. I mean, I think Hell to King is the closest thing where you would go, that's something you put on and somebody goes, uh, 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 and hits the <laughs> table along to it. You know what I mean? Not that I think it's quite that bad, but... I just want to meet the guy that does that. Uh, go to a Shinedown gig, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> shine down, shine down on a new theme of WWE Raw. Yeah. So I'm going to be hearing. When shine, I was in New I'm York, be hearing Shine Down about twelve times in the space of three hours every week from now to the end of time. Uh, you want to be putting a cyanide tablet under your tongue just in case <laughs> it gets. The, I actually was in uh, when I was in New York. I was watching a bit of American Telly, and uh, there was an advert for something, and Skillet were the yeah. The theme yeah. for WWE, uh, what was the one what that the we fuck? just had? Um, Battleground. Yeah. But, but this is it. Like, uh, It's part of the uh, the rock takeover that's going on in America. Neck Deep have just been added to the next NXT event. Wow. Uh, like their songs being used, Serpents. Yeah, it's big time that's for rock good. music and wrestling. So yeah. on that motif, let's talk about the new Alter Bridge. Yep. Um, new Alter Bridge song has come out this week. It's called Show Me a Leader. It's going to be the first track taken from their new record that's going to be here at the end of the year. Um, I was floored by this it's so much better than anything that was on that last record i I think is Uh, mm, i thought that last record was it was all right it was good it was all right but like the first well let me put this way the first one's okay uh the second one's really good the third one's really good and the last one not so much Okay. Uh, but this is really promising, I think. Yeah, I've, I've really liked it. Again, you know, ditto for what I said about Avenged Sevenfold. I think it's got far more in the way of personality um, and intricacy, like flourishes of not being afraid to kind of just play it safe. It mm. doesn't feel like this is a band who go into studio and go, oh, we're this and we should play it safe. Okay. And I, I've, I feel like... Um, there's always more of a surprise with what Alter Bridge are going to do. I don't feel like they're as easily pigeonholed as those bands I was just talking about a moment yeah, ago. Yeah, that's fair. They're always about to know what's going on. And this is a really good song. I mean, it is it is one of those bands. Yeah. But I think they definitely uh, have got a lot more going on upstairs than any of those bands. And this is a, a, just a very, very good rock song. I think that it's cool that this time it feels like Alter Bridge are focused on Alter Bridge. Yeah. Because at the last time, Miles was doing loads of stuff with Slash. And uh, if I'm right, the other guys had gone out and done the Creed reunion. Yeah. And um, off the back of Three, which was a really popular record for Alter Bridge, it felt like it was recorded at the same time that loads of shit was going on. Yeah. Whereas this, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure they'd always go, well, no, we were always focused on Alter Bridge, but this suggests that there's a lot more focus on it. I think it's got a massive woe on it, which I'm always a, a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> Miles sounds great. There's loads of personality in it. There's a bit of attitude from Miles, which I like to hear, especially in the lyrics mm. um, on the run-up to a general election, writing a song called Show Me a Leader. Um, was is bold for a band like Alter Bridge, yeah. for a band whose market is literally like America. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's bold and it's got attitude and it's a snarling a snarling take 
on hard rock. I mean, that riff just fucking rattles along like well, a freight train. Well, Mark Tremonte is a man who is uh, a, just a really exceptional guitar player. Yeah. And I think you kind of go, Miles Kennedy, the, I think the, the thing that sets Little Bridge apart from any of those bands is the relationship between almost kind of two incredible forces of nature fighting for space and fighting for your attention. That's a great point. Yeah, um, I agree. And... And when they get the balance just right, and I think they have on this track, yeah, they're a really good band. I'm super pumped. Like, I, again, I did, I did words I did not expect to be saying. Alterbridge are one of those bands that I'm like, yeah, Alterbridge are cool, yeah. but I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to it. Off the back of this track, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward yeah, to this Alterbridge it's, record. It's, it's, a sh- it's, it's shockingly good. It probably sounds like I'm having a go at them, but, no. it, but it's, it, it, I was surprised at how good it is. Yeah, me too. I think it's one yeah. of the best things they've done. I'm, yeah. so, I'm super excited excited to hear if there's more where that came from but yeah that'll be coming and it also makes a lot more sense um the gojira booking makes a bit more sense because it's a it's a heavy it's a heavier tune yeah like you haven't heard uh, you don't really hear blackstone cherry going for it as much as as Alter Bridge do on this, or no. or Steel well, Panther, or Shine Down, really, or yeah. any of that, or Hailstorm, or all of the bands that we yeah. we lump in like that together, yeah. like this has a bit more oomph and crunch. Well, to it's it, a man so. who a man who loves Celtic Frost at the there you go front and center of it, isn't it? It is, it is, and God, really good. No, like he, he got the Tremonti stuff out of his system. Like it feels like all focus on Alter Bridge and let's see what happens. Yeah. Possible download headliners next year? Well, do you know what? It's getting... It becomes sort of more and more likely, You can't it? book them any lower than being second headliners. No, definitely not. I don't... So, I, think you might, I think you might see them sub-headlining again, possibly. To I Metallica mean, or someone like that. If it was Guns N' Roses... It would be awkward. <laughs> it's what it would well, be. It would be awkward, yeah. yeah. But it would make. All right, mate. I used to sing all your songs better than you. Damn. Um. <laughs> fuck, fuck off and get me some food. Yeah. Um. Shouldn't you be hanging out with a guy in a school uniform? Then I could yeah. be doing this, mate. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe one sub more. I mean, it, if they turned up and sub headlined to Guns N' Roses and could take this kind of form on stage with them. Even mm. a reformed Guns N' Roses might go course. Pretty something, something to have to follow. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to upstage Guns N' Roses. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything I've, uh, I'm dying to see that Guns N' Roses thing. After all of the skepticism and all the rest of it, every clip I've seen of it just looks fucking dynamite. Mm. A proper humble pie. Yeah. But let's talk about some shit news. Um, so earlier on this week. Nails, a band that we have raved about on this show. Uh, a band who, up until the release of the Gojira record, had released my favourite heavy album of the year so far, um, have cancelled all dates and have gone on hiatus. It, it's a, a, a nice word for it just feels like they've just gone pff, split up. Yeah. And this happens, this happens with bands of that size. Mm-hmm. How much of a bummer, how much of a blow is this to that scene? Because Nails are one of the bands with some presence on the radar from that scene. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I I mean, I think that is a scene which will will be able to recover from something like this because it's, it's not integral, like kind of having Rolling Stone and you know, and Vice magazine chatting to him and the Guardian chatting to him is lovely, mm. but it, that's not the bread and butter of where that of world lives. So 
Um, I know, in fact, a lot of people were seeing where nails were going. Um, quite snobbily, actually, I reckon, and, and sort of going, oh, well, looks like that ship sailed. I'll have to go and find something else, which is kind of the the mantra and the attitude of a lot of the people yeah, within the kind of... that's got fuck metal. all to do with Sonics and anything else. That's oh, just yeah. like, hold on, hold on, 13 people like this band now, and there used to be six. Yeah. They're not true cults yeah, anymore. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? True cults. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, hopefully, if... <sighs> I mean, they're so good. The problem is, is they are, that album is so good. Because I was about yep. to say, there are plenty of bands, if someone's heard now, if it's gone Rolling Stone, oh, there's this band, oh, fuck me, they sound like the, the world ending. Mm. I actually quite like this. Maybe yeah. I'll go and check out some more stuff. Nell's split up and they've gone, but they've influenced more people to go and sort of creep around in the dirt and yeah. find, you know, the the, the likes of Magruder Grinder we were talking yeah. about, who... I, again, you know, they're, they're not as good as Nails. That's the thing about Magritte. Like, they're not actually as good. I like, think it's great, that record, but it's not as good as this. This Nails record is the best album from that scene since uh, Sentence to Life, I think, by Black Breath. So it's the best of the last sort of three, four years. I think you could probably go back a bit further than that as well, really. I don't like, prefer it to Sentence to Life. Oh, that's, okay. the, that's the last one that I would yeah. say is better than it. It's just like everyone going sludgier and everything is fine, but Nails are really good at it. And yeah. they've incorporated that chug and they've still got the pace that yeah. they've always had. Yeah, it's a... It's a, a shitty thing. I mean, the bummer. thing is, it's like those bands, the, the shelf life of those bands are... They just don't last very, like you know. They, unless there's maybe one or two, and I, I, you know, I hoped the way people were sort of talking about nails and thinking about, it, I, I thought, well, maybe we that maybe we will get a band who will go on to get the same sort of career that a band like, you know, could Napalm you ever Death. in Apalm Death or Carcass? Could you mm. ever predicted that from Cannibal Corpse? Like, probably not, really. Exactly. No, but um, yeah, man, it sucks. But yeah, but the the really thing that badly. like the the thing that kind of. It's not a silver lining, but the thing that I still... I There are so many great bands in that scene. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like somebody else will come along and they'll... Because at the moment, it's like, oh, well, they were that band that were great from that scene and now they're gone. Mm. I think someone else will come along and pick up the baton. I'm convinced they will. Well, there is a trap there, album coming at the yeah. end of the year. But I think it'll be somebody uh, that we don't even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone completely new who it we don't know nice. about yet. It would be nice. Uh, so we're going to talk about the new corn track after yeah. your questions, but we're going to do the first the, the new King Eight One O track. Yeah, uh, it is called. What is on. it called? Uh, it's a weird title. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, loads of R's. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, called I murder. Ain't Going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like Jar Rule. Murder. Uh, it's called I Ain't Going Back. Again, mm. is what it's called. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Um, yeah? It's all, yeah. I think I've just got something for this band because I'm do really you? into it. I, it was funny because, I don't know, man, I feel like I need to hear the rest of the album because I yeah, quite like it'll bad... it'll fit yeah. brilliantly in the... But I think even as a standalone, it's so... It's so cinematic and dramatic in its um, in its in its feel musically, as well as having. I've got a, I've got a thing for people in rock music 
who actually understand hip hop. I've yeah. had this conversation with Jason from Let Live a whole bunch of times where <laughs> if you listen to loads of hip hop and you understand it, then you know how to how to ride those beats properly like a rapper and not just sound like a blur, blur, blur. Like Methods of Mayhem. Yeah, like Methods of Mayhem. Yeah. Um, and David really understands that. It's got a really <laughs> good sense of riding the beat, using melody when it's needed, uh, drama, um, real purpose with the delivery of the lyrics that really make them hit home twice as hard, which is essential on a track that's musically as minimalist as this. Mm. I kind of, because they'd had, like Badman was the first thing we'd heard about them for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it's an awful title. Yeah, Badman. Sounds, like <laughs> sounds like a disturbed song. David's a bad man. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. and um, Brum de dum be dum Badman. And steel drum that was. By yeah, the way. I saw Hardy Wonder. I did wonder. Like you were driving a mini car. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know, man, because that was really really minimalist uh, yeah. and I thought maybe they'd after that they'd release something because there's another one in the middle the name of it escapes me right now yeah, which same. I thought was quite good um, this is I the first one it's I've actually it's not even that I don't like the song it's that I, I really wanted to see I kind of wanted to see something because they've got they 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 do do lots of different things and mm. that last album the one thing you can't sort of for all the, the faults and all the things you can say about the last album mm. uh, if you were being a bit grumpy then the one thing you can't say about it is that it lacked kind of uh, diversity. diversity within the, the music and I just the, uh, would the, like to the, see a the bigger term, gap. not the dance group yes yeah, yeah. Ashley Banjo <laughs> don't send him out to fucking Flint, Michigan imagine to get a murder done um, <laughs> but yeah I would like to I, I kind of I felt like I don't know this is maybe this is my own fault for sort of putting yeah. my own shit onto King 810 I kind of wanted to see three songs that went okay here's a really good indicator of the album and if that is a really good indicator of what the album is um, I feel like it might not be quite as diverse as the previous yeah. record but like, then that's just but even then it, it still feels like there's new stuff going on the guitars have got that real kind of uh, Nancy Sinatra really weird thing to say but it is it's that whole uh, bang bang my baby shot me down style Lada Del Rey guitars yeah. that go on all the way through it it's such it brings such a sense of drama that uh, that fits them well mm. and especially um the I thought a record deal would save us stuff. I'm really, I, I, I I dug it, but I do really want to hear how it fits on the larger canvas. It's a little bit like oh no, it's not actually. Fuck it. Was you- <laughs> I was going to say it's a bit like you know when the streets you can't stop that. You know when the streets got big, yeah, and they started saying, singing about oh, well, my life yeah. now is cocaine in the Met bar. Yeah, and people sort of went. Pfft. Yeah, not bothered about yeah. that anymore. Yeah, but I kind of I don't want him to just go. And then I did a murder. No, uh, so. but let's hope there's less murder <laughs> on this record. Yeah. Uh, Jack Lawless opens up the questions this week. Don't forget, join us on Facebook, and you could win twenty five pounds off of anything you want to spend it on at emp onlinecouk Let's get on with it. So Jack asks, aside from your standard party bangers what song slash album do you shamelessly love more and actually only prefer when immensely inebriated <laughs> he means pissed uh, I recently discovered I only like Diary of Jane by Breaking Benjamin yeah I said that out loud when I was sloshed uh, so 
Is there a uh, is there? A, I'd suggest you sober up quickly. Yeah, Jack. really quickly. Um, so, uh, what would be your choice of drunk anthem? I don't really get that drunk. So I'm trying to think of something that puts me in a good mood when I'm drunk. Um, mine, are I, all, mine are all sort of more pop based things. Yeah, I, I mean to be honest. It's, if I have a few glasses of wine, it's yeah. always going to be Rio by Duran Not the, the album yeah. Rio by Duran Duran. Right, okay. But that's not a guilty pleasure. Well, it's not supposed to be a guilty pleasure, is it? No. I would say that is something that Do you comes think it out sounds, often. It sounds better when you're drunk. That's what he's saying. So a song that you might not vibe with. Like, see, a lot of them for me are the, are the ones where if I heard Living on a Prayer now, yeah. right, I'd go, oh, fucking Living on a Prayer. If I've had enough to drink at half one in the morning and that comes in, that key change, you live for the fuck when it's all that you yeah, go. That's true. When you go there's for that a, one. There's a whole, yeah, there's a whole raft of like overplayed, bl- bloody awful songs. Yeah, but if you the catch them. True by Spandau, you know, we nearly got a divorce with the idea of having True by Spandau Ballet being played at our wedding. Really? Yeah, because I was like, I don't want that shit being played. No. What's no. wrong with you? True. Yeah. Awful. What is what is wrong with you? It's the worst song by a bad band. What? It's rubbish. What are you talking about? It's rubbish. It's apart from the fact that it really isn't. (laughs) Are you mad? True. True. It's rubbish. You must like through the barricades. You're not a monster. No, yeah, I like like gold. Right, okay. I like uh What's that one? I can't get this down. I can't get this pressure on. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it was watching you play air bass as you sang it. I'm Martin Kemp. <laughs> I level 42 up here. <laughs> he was like he was like Paul Rudd, the motherfucker, <laughs> slapping his bass. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those ones are the ones yeah. that get me. But I'm um, drunk. If you want... Like, what makes me go peak bees is power ballads. Yeah. Like, ultimate power, at like the, the club night that is just nothing but power ballads. <laughs> if I've had too much to drink and I must have been love, man, I'm going to bust a lung singing to that. You love that shit, don't you? I do. I'm a, as it's well known about me, I'm yeah. a fucking power ballad demon. You really are. Love that shit. Summer 69 is another one which I could kind of give ah, a take. so good. Heaven as well. Oh, mate. That was another one they got played. Do you know what? Brian Adams yeah. was born in 1958, so his, basically his life peaked when he was 11. That's quite sad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And like, why did he care about Jimmy Quinn and Jody getting married know. when he was 11? <laughs> it's know. like, you're not going to break it up, mate. You're 11. <laughs> She's, Jody's not going to marry you. Craggy-faced idiot. Hold on. Doesn't he? He talks about having a band and trying real hard yeah. when he was 11. Well, mate, Harley Flanagan from the Cro-Mags, yeah. as we will discover on our hardcore specials, yeah. he was playing drums and stimulators at CBGB's when he was eight. Wow. But Brian Adams wasn't playing at CBGB's when he was 11. Nah. Nah. Canadian, wasn't he? Too yeah. far to travel. Liar. Liar. Yeah. Uh, so, cool, that went off on a tangent, didn't it? Didn't it? it? Aaron, Still worth it. Aaron Inglethorpe asks, Bill and Ted, the uh, the fictional characters, <laughs> not my cats, mm. uh, lend you their time machine for the night. Which show would you go to? One show. One show. You've only got one show. To make it last. That's, J, that's JLS, that. Shit, okay. Never <laughs> gotta you know, make really? it again. Yeah. So we, we've literally <laughs> talked more about pop <laughs> Yeah, we should keep this on metal, shouldn't we? Um, uh, you go see anyone, anywhere, at any time. Who would you go and see? I would... Well, there's a few. I'm going to keep it in rock and metal, because otherwise I'd just say the Smiths. All right. 
Um, Sepultura at Brixton Academy on the Roots tour. Oh, the night it all went awry. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good answer, that. Um, Although I would like also like to have seen Refused in Stoke on their yeah. last UK show before they got back together. I'd, but I'll take Sepultura. I'd like to see... Oh, the Ramones is a big one. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have seen the Ramones. That's a much better that, shout than me. Is that who I'd like to see? Because my missus is, is Nirvana. She's always just like, how could you not have wanted to see Oh, that? yeah, fuck. What a dickhead. Um, Why did I not say that? Well, you can say it now. You can overrule yourself. All right. Yeah. Nirvana at Reading. Nirvana's I had an English teacher, Mr. White, yeah. at um, school, and he... Why did I call White? Um, anyway. <laughs> call Whip. <laughs> yeah. But Mr. White, he saw Nirvana at Reading 92. And when we were kids, we were like, oh my God, that's amazing. And he was like, yeah, I walked off after three songs. I went to go and watch the fucking gawky zygotic monkey or some awful indie show. Something like prat. that. Yeah, well, Mr. White, I <laughs> yeah, hope you Mr. get White. flushed down a toilet or something. Uh, <laughs> is the Ramones my answer? Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Mm, yeah, Stooges, I, think I would mind be. seeing them back in Detroit back in the day. It'd be good. Any of those I mean, early... Metallica with Cliff Burton is my obvious answer, but like, I won't say that because mm. I say Metallica to everything otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so second... Would it be the Ramones? Yeah, I think it would be the Ramones. I'd like to see the doors that night when Jim Morrison got his willy out as well. Not because I want to see Jim <laughs> yeah, Morrison's you willy. Do. Yeah, you do. Well, willy! <laughs> willy! He wants to see the willy! Fuck off, leave me alone. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. What of it? <laughs> he wants to see his, I love his Jimmy Morrison. Um... Michael Gallagher says we're over halfway through 2016 and there has been a hell of a lot of quality releases that there has Michael Gallagher uh, but other than a select few Architects Gojira uh, the metal albums this year have been average especially when compared to the new bands in the rock slash punk slash hardcore scenes is metal falling behind the other genres good question it's a very Michael. good question because I, I keep thinking that metal's on the up and then when I look at my top 20 there's not a lot of metal in it. Yeah. It's really hard and aggressive stuff, but it's more like, spoiler alert, like heck and stuff yeah. like that, more than something traditionally like metal. There's been a couple, you know, I mean, we've raved about The King is Blind. We spoke about Nails earlier. Yeah. So Gojira have fucking Obviously. mashed it out of the park. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, um, I think that metal... As we'll get on to on our question of the week, I'm sure. It's been, uh, it's, it has been in a decline. It's been a long but, time as and well, it, it's, it? Yeah, it's been a really long time. I mean, like, we always say on this show, like, oh, when was the last fucking metal band that, um, that, that gave you something? But yeah, there's been a lot of all right and non like not a lot of metal has stayed with me no. like some of these albums we review them and i go ah that's so good and i yeah, just haven't just listened I just, to them all year like I know, that's I, it i honestly and this can't. year of all years like even bands even someone like deftones right deftones and kill switch engage have released records this year that barely ever get referenced by us mm. like that's the strength of the year so far i think the oceans of slumber album is probably the only metal album i've played 
in with a consistent regularity since I listened to it. Yeah, that I've not even even the Gajira album, which I really yeah. fucking love. I've not listened to it for a few weeks. Oceans of Slumber, Gajira, and Nails. I've played yeah. loads. Nails but, is a bit newer, so I am still playing yeah, that quite a lot. And it's over in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, quite like the band. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is. I don't think there's any other way around it. I mean, there's loads of all right metal. Like I think one of the bigger problems has been that so many of the metal bands are the ones who don't deliver, who get to the edge of the summit and then go, Bleh. do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just stop for whatever reason, just stop producing good records. Um, good records is harsh. Stop releasing great records. Like it's been a while since we've had a great Lamb of God record. It's been a while since there's been a great Bullet record. Just thinking about all the bands that have got to yeah. that bigger stage and then just kind of it's also the kind of i i guess the the compromising of the sound of of metal i mean somebody was saying to me the other day they were like well the thing is now in relation to bring me actually saying well if that band wants to play the o2 yeah they have to go and do ant and deck and they have to just appeal to the glastonbury crowd they have to because metal isn't big enough in this country at the moment what do you mean like tall do <laughs> right, well, that, yeah. oh yeah that time that Tall was on Noel's house party well, with Mr Blobby quite you don't have to do that at all that's no, nonsense no you don't but I guess the perception certainly you would think amongst bands the perception seems to be if we water it down and rein it in a little bit then we can we can sell more records See, I thought that there was going to be a blueprint for this when Mastodon did The Hunter I was like well this is it this is it like, it's clever, smart metal, for so not too many people will check out of Mastodon on this record, but this is super accessible, and it sounds massive, and it's all condensed, and it was, like we always say, it was the fucking Justice for All to Black album, it was Mastodon doing that. Yeah. Um, and it, it feels like, you know, they're stuck at Brixton. Uh, I really We're I thought a death puncher at Wembley. Yeah, right. See, I thought Mastodon would would make that leap. And the thing with Mastodon is, for me at least, Mastodon it's not been a dip creatively. No. I mean, I, I know some people were lukewarm on Once More Around the Sun. I really like it, but the Hunter was fucking was a was a worldie, and it didn't get them beyond Brixton. So, I, I, is the world just kind of kind of uh, over? Like metal beyond three and a half minute crush cans on your head stuff. Because, I mean, it's been a while since something cleverer, dare I say, from the world of metal has reached that that level. Well, it's, it's I think, you know, it's funny, actually, um, I was going to talk later on about my trip to New York and going to see Radiohead. Mm. Um, but there was something that struck me, like, while I was watching Radiohead in New York the other day that that being the hottest ticket on the planet mm. for, for bands at, that, at the moment, you know, yeah. they were talking to me about how it had sold, they'd sold out two nights at Madison Square Garden quicker than Bieber had sold out one. Yeah. And, you know, they had more requests for tickets than fucking Lady Gaga, Beyonce yeah. and all this stuff. And you watch Radiohead and you're like, this band are enormous, but they are like you couldn't I, I don't believe any band of any genre at the moment i just don't think we live in a culture where a band that that are that 
progressive, that artistic, that single-minded in their determination to not compromise their art at all mm. could because you talk about a band at all taller from the 90s radio yeah. from the 90s flaming look lips at all these bands like all flaming yeah. lips all those all those bands that are like massive headliners that are all really obtuse and where's the 21st century version of any of those bands see, I, see, I mean i really there's don't a real link to me between mastodon and tall in terms of yeah, their dexterity and all the rest of it but maybe it's just the world is not in that place yeah it's, it's bizarre but like but having said that there's less to piggyback on the on the back of it. I, I've said this before on the podcast, but I had a chat with someone from Beats One when it started, and they were like, "Yeah, rock's a tough sell mm. today," and I, like, I couldn't even fucking argue back. Yeah. I could today, like in 2016, I'd argue for fucking hours that there's yeah. shit tons really exciting going on in rock music. But it does feel like, like I will give that person some credit. Like I do feel like. Um, everyone fucking wanking off about Pierce the Veil and Five Seconds of Summer and Against the Current and all that kind of shit, like, does harm... It dilutes, yeah. Yeah, it does harm, like, mass acceptance for anything even remotely challenging. Yeah. Um, so I do think it plays a role, like, people putting divvy music on the cover of magazines. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, ultimately that we've only got isolated cases. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I don't understand. I think with the right push, a band like Baroness could be massive. Definitely. Like, that is music for people that, like, when we t- when people talk to me about, oh, we've fallen in love with rock music again through the podcast, bands like Baroness are the ones that I go, yes, yeah, see, they still make music like you like, of the highest quality. It's still out there. They just don't tell you about it. Mm. Um, but that's what we're here for, isn't it? Yeah. Question of the week, because this is kind of an extension of what we were just saying. Oh. £25 to spend at EMP is yours. Tony Bliss, what a fucking brilliant name that is. <laughs> Tony is. Bliss uh, asks, a recent opinion piece in Metal Hammer, or on Metal Hammer's website, I would like to correct you, uh, stated that the UK hasn't had a genuinely world-beating metal band since Bullet For My Valentine. Would you agree with this? And is it just a case of the media at large ignoring the huge potential of a British scene which, this year more than ever, is bringing is brimming with new, exciting bands? It's a good talking it's point, very Tony. Good. Yeah. I'm going to take the first point of this, which is... Um, this is Metal Hammer that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So they can only talk within metal. So when you go the huge potential of the British sea, I totally agree. Yep. But um, with Metal Hammer being the way it's been for the last half a decade plus, um, I think that a band like Black Peaks or Creeper, and although they gave Creeper a golden god, weird, bit weird, um, like... I think it sits, uh, it's all stuff that's outside of their world, so I can understand why, why Metal Hammer would be saying that. Mm-hmm. That's fair, right? Yeah. Um, I think that the piece itself <laughs> evolves around a top 100 that they've compiled, and because it's their chart, they're choosing to act as if that top 100 is definitive, which it isn't. It's the opinion of Metal Hammer magazine staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we were to do a top 100 albums of the 21st century, it would look completely different to theirs. Um, so I think the problem of music in Britain, uh, I think being a problem is more of a problem to Metal Hammer, who exist in heavier terrains. 
because, you know, Black Peaks are a really aggressive band, right? Yeah. That's a really aggressive record. Yeah. Interesting, um, screamed vocals in large portions of it. Like, it's a heavy record, um, but it's no good to them because it's not what they do. So I can understand from a Metal Hammer point of view why they see that. Uh, and my last point is, I think it's very easy for them to um, to talk about, oh, we haven't had a genuine world-beating band since Bullet For My Valentine because uh, Metal Hammer did nothing to help that band at that point in time. Um, FIFA was given a 6 out of 10, I know, because I worked there banging my head off the wall going, ah, but like, this is really good for what it is. All right, you don't like what it is. I can accept that but that doesn't mean that it's bad quality. It just means it's not to your taste. Because I, I assure you, that stuff is to my taste, and that is really fucking good for that world. If Fever came out now and was a new band doing that hard rock thing, we'd go them. In the way that we've just spoken about Alterbridge, yeah. like the songs on that record, we'd go, yeah, that one. Um, so I think, that, I think that there's a bit of this that's like, well, that's Metal Hammer's problem. Because if we have a problem, it's definitely not British, new British bands. Uh, yeah, it's, again, it's... I mean, I think you could slide that out across the US to a certain degree as well. Can yeah, you, oh, everybody. All over the place, really. Yeah. Um, the... The, we're in a really good time for rock music as we always say yeah it is it's just not a great time for metal and i've said this before when i was growing up you'd see offspring and Silverchair and bush on the front mm. cover of metal hammer and i'm not saying that we need to go back to those days where metal hammer are suddenly putting pierce the veil or you know against the current on the front cover i think that would be a pretty horrendous thing to, yes <laughs> to that would be a very bad <laughs> but i feel like you know um they are, they're definitely, you know, um, trying to go, these bands are good just because they're not heavy metal. I mean, fucking hell, Jane's Addiction aren't metal, but you still would have got them in Metal Hammer back in the day, Yeah, for exactly example. that. And I think, you know, like the remit and the parameters of what Metal Hammer is as well, because, I mean, I've spoken before about my problems with the Metal Hammer Facebook page. Those people who are just... Big ask. Well, I, if a, you've been if you've been in one direction for seven years, like Harry Styles, yeah, exactly. Well, like they've been in one direction longer than Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when you've been doing one thing for seven years and there's nothing, there's nothing at the fore mm. for that. Like, yeah, it's when you, if you look at your... if you look at Metal Hammer on a shelf every month, if you don't pick it up and look inside and see that stuff, what do you see on the cover every month? Yeah, I made in Slipknot and the like. Right, okay, so mm. nothing's really changed from the surface level is the problem, mm. uh, I think. But yeah, I, like, I read that blog and we had so, the reason why it's Question of the Week more is because you and I have both been inundated with this on Twitter uh, yeah. th- uh, this week. And yeah, I like, I think we, we, well, we've said for ages British metal's, in a, it's been, British metal's been in a problem since the 80s. Yeah, I like, feel like as well, a lot of people kind of, I mean, I looked at some tweets about it today. Yeah, a lot of people were kind of outraged uh, mm. the, the thing. I think it kind of comes from a place of wanting the scene to be better. Yeah. Um, but I don't, exactly, yeah, I, I'd like, agree it de- with that as well. It definitely that does. That was the tone of it. It yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't damning about... Oh, shit and I'll yeah, fuck it. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't that at all. Yeah. It was like... It was uh, sort of going... It was, and, it was asking the questions why. Yeah. Um, and also, it was... It, a lot of it, it wasn't... And it, it wasn't even saying that British music is bad. It was saying, wouldn't it be nice if 
British bands were bigger. And I think we both think that. I yeah, mean, there's been a, of course. there's been a, um, uh, a kind of an answer post put up since mm. uh, on the website saying, <laughs> saying, of course there is. Yeah. Saying who cares? Who cares if they're not big? Like fuck, fuck the mainstream. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. Because which, which, which is great, but then when your band splits up after two well, albums exactly and they that, never yeah. get to become the bands that they should be, yeah, um, that's why we care. Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, it's another thing which is making... The problem with metal is it's so divisive between these two tribes of... I've never known it. I mean, we speak about it all the time, but mm. I've never known it be so... This is why I feel like bands like Five Finger Death Punch just kind of it's not like they get risen up. It's almost like they just slip through the cracks and because they're so meh, everyone just goes, oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, they're not, they're not, they're new enough to appeal to kind of younger people. Yeah. But they have enough of the old stuff to not make the older fans go, no. Yeah. Whereas I think I want something really fucking new. And I feel like it's there, but it's just not ever going to get past. I don't know, man. I think if the internet was around, there'd have been plenty of people sneering at Nirvana in '91. And can yeah, you imagine? Was. Can you imagine what fi- what the Metal Hammer Facebook would have looked like when Nothing Shocking by James Addiction came out and they showed a picture of them? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think true. it's I think it's just a case of, well, fuck them. If 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 something's good enough, it will pick up the traction. Is 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 the theory? But it does need help, and it does need help in. Um, both in the press and with what we do. I yeah. mean, if you were to ask a band like the Interrupters or Milk Teeth, say, um, you know, we we do enough to go, yo, look at that. Uh, I think that there could be more to done to help them because, like, name me a British metal band since Bullet that's got a push in the press. One. I guess While She Sleeps were kind of... While She Sleeps, yes, there's one. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Right, in a decade. Yeah. Maybe architects are a minute, almost. Not a massive push. No. Front cover, they have one front cover, didn't they? Yeah, they had a cover of Hammer. But that was unfortunately on the one album where they decided to make a really sort of, you know, radio-y friendly thing. To be continued. I do hope for British metal, though. I mean, I was stoked when The King is Blind came out because it was like, oh, excellent. Like a British metal record. But yeah, we shall see. All right. Here's our chat about the new corn track, and then after that, it's going to all be about the albums. Billy Talent, uh, The Descendants, Despised Icon, and an album club from Alice in Chains on the way. So I hate it when they do this. So last week on Friday morning, Corn dropped a brand new song from their album, The Serenity of Suffering. Absolutely. EMP decades. is the place where you can get 10% off of anything you purchase in the world of rock, be it clothing, CDs, collectibles, whatever. EMP-online.co.uk. And that new Corn record, The Serenity of Suffering, there is a only you can only get it at EMP blue vinyl version of that for just £15. Don't forget, you'll get 10% off that by using the code NOTMETAL. So the first song from this corn record is called Rotting in Vain. Mm -hmm. What do you think of it? I think it's got a big old corn riff in it. Yes. Let's just start that out. The spooky intro, the Allah falling away from me. Mm. Um, into the big crunchy riff. Uh, it's definitely felt a lot more like Corn in their heavy glory period yeah, than, circa. The, than the albums where they've gone, this is going to be a return to 
what we did them, the Ross yeah. Robinson one and yeah. things that they've done over the years. This actually feels uh, issues untouchably. I would say well, more that than That's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. I was cool. going to say corn circa 99. Yeah. This kind of does it ticks all of those boxes, doesn't it? And it doesn't feel doesn't feel very forced either because the thing that I mean there's that kind of un tangible thing that you can't quite put on mute because if you were to listen to something off that corn three mm. and then listen to something from untouchables one's really good and one's not yeah but yeah they're kind of the same but yeah you can't it's, var- kind it's of variations put- on the theme it's the mm. difference in quality that, yeah. that really really matters and i think um that album three particularly missed the jewel trade-off which has always yeah. been like the thing that i totally fell in love with about corn really along with Jonathan Davis as well there were so many yeah. things but one of the things that was always massive is that brilliant trade off between Head and Monkey yeah. and you've got a bit of that going on here which I I, I really hope that they because obviously he came in during a paradigm shift and yeah. I think most of it was sort of written by yeah. that point so this is the first time they've really collaborated properly together so so exciting, exciting when you put it like that yeah like, and there's been a lot of words um, comparing it to Untouchables which mm. when we do a corn special I'm sure we'll both go off about but mm. um, definitely the most underrated album in Corn's back catalogue um, Scatting in yes, there. yes, this is so, what I want to say. So, so good. Yeah. I love all that. Stuff. I yeah. always it's back. Again, another thing that I just love from 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 Corn and Jonathan Davis is brilliant, and I love yeah. him. Go, I love him giving it all that. Like, don't think shit. it's like a bit sad because I've seen people going a bit sad watching him. In his Still fault, he's making it. those Tasmanian Devils. I say, if it fits the fucking music yeah, and it I, makes the song sound better, you do it, JD, and it fucking does. Exactly that. I think you do it if if you can get away with it, and if it is if it sounds good on rec on the rec, like if the song was shit, mm. and halfway through he went boom, dapper hipper, yeah, then you would go, oh no, why is he still doing that again? Yes, I don't know. But because the song is good, yeah. It's so evocative of the classic corn that you grew up loving. It's not like, oh, look at you sad fucks trying to be good. Mm. You're actually doing it. It's great. Yeah, it's a it's a serious statement of intent. That is corn's new track, Rotting in Vain, from the album The Serenity, the Serenity of Suffering, which you can get an exclusive blue vinyl version at emp-online.co.uk. Use the code NOTMETAL and you will get 10% off off of buying that should also point out that the new no effects album first ditch effort we spoke about six years on dope last week yeah i liked it a lot one of the best singles of 2016 and that really says something i've played it to death yeah go on eric melvin get down with your bad self if you want to uh order the new no effects album it's called first first ditch effort and it's available at emp-online.co.uk and if you order it from emp you will get a free frisbee get that no effects frisbee with your order and you can get 10% off of it emp-online.co.uk just use the code not metal at the checkout right reviews all right cheers for that yeah uh, billy talent uh, the first album review this week their new album is called afraid of heights mm. um how much how much is on a billy talent album because i have to confess uh, while i adore the ever living fuck out of the first two the last two have Same. been all right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, what does album five entail? Um, I think earlier on we were saying something about um, bands. I don't want to use the word watering down because I think that gives an idea, the impression that they are somehow clinging or trying to cling to the coattails of commercial success. But I certainly feel like placing the fifth Billy Talent album next to the first Billy Talent mm-hmm. album, there is very definitely um, concessions made to go in what will sound good in bigger environments, which I don't mm. think you hear that so much on the earlier stuff. And that's I think what the age, I kind of like. Yeah. I think the age comes into it as well because Billy Talent on that for, on those first two albums were so like live wire. Yeah, and course. we talk about bands not being able to grow older properly. Mm. So I can say I can I can hear where I can definitely hear yeah. where you're like the punk the punk has been pl- replaced with a bit more hip swinging rock and roll. Yes. Uh and uh which we'll get to I'm sure. And almost but the, but the punky stuff the stuff that it's great. I see. I I I think it's less good versions of what they've done in the past. So like louder than the DJ is the one that really stands out to me. Where well, I go, it's a good song or bad? Not bad, but just like it's fine. But right, yeah. I've heard Billy Talent write this song better before. Yeah, definitely. And same with um, Ghost Ship of Cannibal Rats is the same. It's like it's good. And I like it, which I do. I don't dislike it at all. Uh, and if you're a Billy Talent fan and you hear this, I don't think anyone's going to come away going, that was rubbish. fucking rubbish. Yeah. Like, what are they fucking playing at? I it, just think, it, like, in those moments, in the bits where they do things a bit similar to those first two records, um, it's not the same. And, it, it reminds me a lot of um, uh, the fourth Bronx album. Yeah, because they? the fourth Bronx album, I felt like you had three that were all white hot, raging, yeah. you know, uncontrolled. They sounded like they'd been recorded live in the studio. They sounded mm-hmm. like they'd been written the night before. Yeah. It was just all about the feel of the yeah, album. absolutely. And then on the fourth one, you had the same sort of songs being written, but it felt like kind of more time was taken over the production, more kind of rough edges were smoothed away. And there's nothing particularly wrong with the songs, Mm. but it's almost like um, when you get to a certain point where you're getting bigger as a band, Mm. you can afford to take your time and that might strip away some of the urgency that made you so exciting in the first place. And I think there is definitely... um, this sounds like you say much Less more like a, a really yeah like like a rock album mm. than a than a punk album. But when they when they get those bits right, mm. when they get it right, and uh, uh, this is going to be another one of those ones where I go sometimes there's the experiments on one record and then when it comes to the four on the next one, like the title track on this album is one of my favourite things they've ever done. Like it's it like uh, nothing that they when we say when I say like oh it's like slightly lesser versions of what they've done before they still attack everything with the same level of like figure that they've always had yeah like they are live wire that's just how they how they like the band the canvas is attacked um, hearing Ben do something 
more melodic and yes, uh, yes, lappy, less yappy yeah. uh, than than he usually does vocal and really, really fully developing melody, mm. which, you know, there's always been there, but it's been... Um, Bark's melody. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, like short bursts as opposed to everything he does on this song is melodic. Uh, and when they do that, there's another song that is called uh, Leave Them All Behind as well that's got that same sort of thing. Like they're trying something a bit, uh, like I say, a, a bit more, a bit more mature, but that doesn't mean to say boring. The word maturity has that kind of like, oh, if it's if it's more safe. And I, I guess it is more safe to a little extent. Yeah. But it's not, it's, uh, it's more safe, not safe. I'd say accessible is a better word than safe. Yeah. I would say yeah, for I someone say who so, yeah. hasn't heard, for someone who'd never heard Billy Talent before, yeah. if you were to play them the X, yeah. and then if you were to play them Afraid of Heights, yeah. I think they would definitely gravitate you know, if they were someone who was sort of brought up in pop music that had yeah. no, they would definitely gravitate to the the, the latter one. Certainly, yeah. um, the the re, the thing that ends the album, the reprise, the Afraid of Heights reprise. Yeah. I mean, that's almost. Uh, I don't like to call them say they sound like Thirty Seconds to Mars, but there is that sense of like grandiose pompous. Yeah, you know, yeah, this yeah. is made pompous, to be yeah. played on stages. You know, the the space between the guitar and you know the that it's it's like before like i say again with the bronx you know it felt like people in a room playing a really kind of fast claustrophobic music yeah. let's play it and let's get out whereas this a lot more time seems to be taken over it and i you know the, we're about to talk about the descendants and you know that it's funny because on one hand you can go well done to billy talent for um for growing and expanding and um and really, like, looking around their surroundings and going, what can we do musically that will fit mm. in around our surroundings that we now find ourselves in, and which that, is a big arena-selling, or at least Brixton Academy-sized selling band in this country. And that rock and roll edge, like, because rock and, because true rock and roll and punk are not a million miles away, it's just a slight a slight flair that's nicer. Yeah. That, that, like, if they can really develop that a little bit more, like, they've dipped their toes in. If they can really, really nail that next time out, then I think they'll do something great again. Because this is all... This is... It's good. I do you like know what it. I mean? I, I, I wasn't... Total three out of five, six out of ten. Yeah. Me, I, but, but it is good. I didn't really like it on the first... I was a li- it was, a, again, a bit like the, the Bronx. I hated that Bronx album when it first came out. <laughs> and then, sort of slowly but surely, I... I got to know the songs and I was like, this isn't just a big ball of phlegm in my face. There's there's actual songs, but they didn't attack me with like from the speakers with such immediacy, which I think they do here. Um, But then it's funny because I say, you go from this um, to like, we're talking about the descendants in the moment who are a band Mm. who resolutely refuse to be changed by time or age or trends or anything. So um, I guess it depends your your outlook on how much you like this record, I think, will mm. depend on uh, your own personal journey within, like, how much you want bands to change. Because for me, I kind of like Billy Talent being that first band. But I'm mm. I'm on board with this. I just don't love it. I think it's because they've had moments, like, I, lo- I mean, I've, I've probably said this before, but fucking Devil on My Shoulder from 3 is, yeah. is one of the, the fucking best jams going. Mm. Um, and so I've seen that there is a, there is a world beyond... Blah, 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 that, 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 that they do that could be 
that could really, really morph into something brilliant. That Muse track is weird, though, isn't it? Yeah. That track that sounds like Muse, Horses yeah. and Chariots, if yeah. you're listening at home and you yeah. want to check that out. Yeah, there's a song that's like... Have a go in like, it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, this is it. Bless them. Like, I'm glad. I, I always like to see bands trying something new, mm. but it is weird because it's just... It's really Muse. It's yeah. really like uh, something off of Black Holes and Revelations. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's really But who odd. would have thought, you know, the comparisons between Billy Talent and Muse and 30 Seconds to Mars were in this review. Exactly. And Couldn't have done of, that on the first two. Yeah, we've kind of not really mentioned any of their original, like, influences at yeah. all. Well, because they're kind of gone. They are. They are. They're a very different band these days. Uh, so yeah, that is the brand new Billy Talent album. It's called Afraid of Heights, and that's our take on it. It is out now. So, as Steve quite rightly mentioned, next up is the Descendants with Hypercafium Spazinate. People have had a bit of beef with that name because you can't say the word spaz anymore. Well, spazinate. Yeah. He's definitely still saying spaz, isn't he? he I'm is, just yeah. addressing it just because people have gone, <laughs> people have let him off. And I'm like, well, I'm not letting him off. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. Um, Leave me alone. I'm going to walk to John O'Groats with some spastics. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? The office. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the most random thing, not knowing that reference. I was like, what is he talking about? Right, Steve, tell us why the Descendants are important. Oh, um, they're very, very important indeed. I think Hugely so. Hugely important. I think if you take away maybe the Dickies and probably the Ramones as well, um, they were the first band, certainly within that 80s hardcore punk scene, the first, the real kind of, I guess, the first wave of hardcore punk, uh, the first band to to take melody and a lack of seriousness, mm. I think. Goofballs. Yeah. Um, them and the Vandals and the Dickies would be the three that you kind of would look at and go, well, they're the band, you know, like, mm. who are writing personal songs about fairly mundane things musically than, i'd say the link is super strong with bad religion as well yeah i mean yeah, yeah m- musically the thing is musically they still the, the pace of the descendants and the the guitar tone of the descendants is mm. still right ra- you know they're razor sharp yeah and they still are like i think even on this record so, i mean certainly in comparison with what passes for pop punk mm, these days yeah i mean it's an an absolute world away it's nice to hear because my mate has got this thing where he says oh i just fucking wish pop punk bands would stop being hardcore bands like because the the that kind of what i always talk about like hacking and slashing on the power chords and melody everywhere has kind of been replaced by that kind of chanting style and pop punk having beatdowns yeah. and things like that like he's always like i just i miss those days and the descendants are the pioneers of that shit right yeah absolutely. like like totally like in terms of nerdy college rock and what you would call pop punk like the fucking the stuff that started forming on lookout records and all the rest of it in the late 80s and early 90s like they were fir- one of the first in the door to start doing that definitely um and they've got you know, two absolute world class. I'm like, Milo goes to college mm. and everything sucks. Yeah. The two different, you know, the early 80s stuff, they split up, they came back in the mid 90s, yeah. they released an absolutely fucking phenomenal album. Yeah. And I think um, this record suffers 
from being from the back of Cool to Be You, their last album, right. which was an insane comeback, right. I think. See, the Descendants, for me, are one of those bands that, because I got into pop punk... Uh, after the obviously after the but after this and the the initial wave of it and all the rest of it, by the time I got into rock music in like ninety five ninety six, um, like to me, the like I've always respected the Descendants because without the Descendants and the Ramones and bands like that, you don't get what the music that I hold dear. Yeah, uh, but I do think that the Descendants had been eclipsed. By that point, okay. So when I listen to this, the Descendants, I'm like, yeah, respect for that. But I grew up with fucking Dookie and Insomniac and Smash and an Outcome the Wolf. So, like, the Descendants are fine. Is, is, my, is, my, is my take. They're, 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 you know, I don't like or dislike them, but I I respect the ever the ever living fuck out. Of okay. Them. So you'll be a better gauge in mm. terms of the the quality of this. But having said that. I go into all older bands' albums with really, really limited expectations because you know you're just not ex- like even with all the will in the world, like you wouldn't be expecting Milo goes to college again. Mm. Um, I think that's why this caught me unawares because I really fucking like it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. I mean, like I say, I think they've got three definitive albums, and this is coming off the back of the sort of the third phase of their career. Um, so I, it wouldn't be the one that I would go, yes, this is the one. But I think, I think this is really good. Like, yeah, really good. Um, sixteen songs in about sixteen songs in, in about twenty odd, twenty three minutes. minutes something yeah. Like, yeah. Um, what I like about it is when a band of this vintage mm. can continue to be genuinely like genuine and genuinely honest and like we said about Billy Talent uh, here's some new influences here's some different things we're playing in different sp- <laughs> yeah. we're playing in different spaces let's try and take that into account while we're recording our music none of that no it's, it's like, like they're tour vans of DeLorean and they just get out at whatever space in time it is yeah. and just play their show as the descendants yeah and you know, you you kind of if you go back to the sort of the Milo goes to college days, it's all about I'm a nerd at college and I'm getting wedged, and if yeah. you go to everything sucks. I'm a guy who's just come out of college and I don't really know what to do with myself, mm. and I'm in my sort of late twenties, early thirties, yeah. and you know I like coffee. And this one is you got stuff like no fat burger. I'm too old to eat burgers now. Yeah, I'm going to get fat. For you, yeah. yeah, it's bad for you. And he's like, uh, you're a dad now. Yeah. You know, like all the the thing that old matey boy from Good Charlotte was trying to get out when he was saying all the punk rockers now coach. Little yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a this much is better encapsulation of that. It's that guy who's living that lifestyle, writing yeah. it as opposed to someone from Beverly Hills trying to imagine yeah. what it must be like. Yeah, to waking coach. up next to Cameron Diaz and going, oh, I wonder what the bass player from Bad Religion is doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, um, but as well, musically, again, Simon you know, Neil was on that fucking. Album. I know he was. Yeah, I was so sure on, he was. I've been harassed on Twitter. All I mean, week. yeah, I, I've no. Yeah. I mean, it's not the end of the world, is it? That yeah. you didn't get that right. No, no, you know no. What I mean, like people, I think you need to. It chill does out go chill to out show. How much I zoned out on that record. <laughs> yeah, someone I was like, it sounds so much like. Yeah, it. no, 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 no idea. Um, so yeah, I, I, th- I think that if you, if you like neck deep. Or like going back to what I was saying about that fucking like bands that want to be hardcore bands and uh, and uh, and like Neck Deep are a pure pop punk band, right? That's yeah. so why I think that they're one of, one of if not the standout band of that genre 
of this generation because to me they still they've incorporated what's now without uh straying too much from the best thing about pop punk which is the melodies you know without fucking choruses and sing-alongs you ain't got nothing if you're a pop punk band uh so if you like neck deep or some 41 or you liked the masked intruder out uh, ep that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago I reckon you could do much worse than checking this out and checking the Descendants in general out. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, I can't recommend the Descendants in general to you enough. Um, also, what I, what I will say, if you are a fan or an aficionado of sort of early hardcore and punk rock, there's a song in it called "Full Circle," which knowing Bill Stevenson was the drummer in Black Flag, yeah. um, who's the drummer on in the Descendants, and now Full, produces Rise Against. Yeah, and yeah. All of those uh, Full Circle's got the full. It like takes a bit like a reprise from Room Thirteen by Black Flag, right. And just does it. Amazing. And that was a bit where I was like, "This is this is fucking rad." I really so like. I I love the fact that they kind of look back on their own amazing legacy and yeah. go, "We'll just reference that." By the way, it's uh, there's a song called "Without Love." on it that is really 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 fucking cool as well it's about three minutes 20 song seconds long really reminds me of um nikolai from mill and colin did a solo record and it had those same sort of bittersweet melodies to them mm. yeah really fucking cool I, I i like it lot yeah it's very good i mean like i say if you've got a bit of cash if you're strapped for cash and you're thinking i might buy myself a descendants album do get everything sucks and if yeah. you can afford to get another one get milo goes to college um, if you've got a Spotify account, though, check this out. But if, yeah, if you've right. got a Spotify account, go get a lot. It's better than anything Bad Religion have done in fucking ages, yeah. is what I'd say. Well, they're better than Bad Religion, I think. Really? Yep. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Okay, well. Uh, but that's one for another day. That's one it? for another day, isn't All right, it? Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> get hacking my lungs out. The third album that we're going to talk about this week is Despised Icons beast so this is their first album for seven years comeback album yeah like it feels a bit like uh praising with fate damnation when you say they are deathcore pioneers yeah uh did you care for despised icon first time out um i cared for them but i i wasn't huge on them uh, deathcore seemed to come and go real quick mm-hmm um, there was there was little in the way of deathcore uh, that really floated my boat. Yeah. Like there's um, Allegiance by uh, As Blood Runs Black. I think that's the one, the, the song that's got the opening song that's got the Wu Tang hook on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is Genesis by Job for a Cowboy. That's good. Yeah, and I think that's about it. Well, surely suicide. If, do, we, do they count? Yeah. Suicide silence count? Yeah. Well, everything suicide silence yeah. have done then as well. Um, so here's the thing with despised icon. This is what I think is good. It's kind of good, but but also it has ended up being the problem as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Deathcore, as we now know, as we know it today, what it's mm-hmm. kind of mutated into. As someone who likes hardcore and likes hate breeding those bands, I don't hear enough of that in the modern deathcore band. I hear a lot of sub drops. I hear a lot of grunting. I don't really hear a lot of classic death metal either, but Mm. that's for another thing. Um, It's become kind of its own thing, which is just kind of beat downy, very heavy, lumpen, chuggy metal, Mm. basically, death metal. Um, You can definitely hear that they listen to Terror 
and terrorist the bad terrorist the bad that I've got written down yeah. from their from their uh, from the hardcore side. Yeah. So you can definitely hear that they listen to a lot of hardcore bands and I like that. I like the fact that this is much more of a cohesive melting pot between two musical styles. Yeah. Um unfortunately I feel like when they the hardcore bits that they do they don't really nail it's hard at the minute. Like when you're a deathcore band uh, and there are bands around like, I don't know, Desolated are mm. a really good example. Like Desolated do that metallic hardcore like crunch thing so well. Um, and I do think that this, this pales in comparison in that respect. It's heavy enough. I mean, it, and it, it incorporates the two really well. Like, it melds them really well. There's a song called Drapo Noir. I've definitely said that wrong. Um, it's full of, it, like, it's got blast beats. And it's got this massive solo. And when the beat down comes, it feels like a like a good payoff. Um, I just find it, ultimately, I find it really hard to get excited about a despised icon record in 2016. Yeah, because the art form has been stretched to the point where it is... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Beyond thing, and that's harsh uh, for not, them. They're as not pioneers. Yeah, you know, like. I mean it, it is, but at the same time, like that's what years to evolve uh, is about. I yeah. think. Um, I I just I don't. There's nothing to really dislike. It kind of left me just like, oh well, that was an album. Mm. Uh, it's no like no slight on them. I'm just I, I'm not not overly fussed by no. this record and i've tried i've tried a bunch of times yeah. but um, i've had it for a while now and it's, it's not offensive it's just like yeah it's a deathcore album in 2016 we've not mm. like it's not of uh, as we've all as we've often said about metalcore which is the most over oversaturated genre of all of them yeah. like in 2016 you need something really really fucking good to 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 merit like fucking hell that was amazing like um the fact that as i've mentioned earlier on in the show the kill switch record has just come and gone do you know what i mean it's a yep. perfectly fine metalcore album in the same way that this is a perfectly fine deathcore album and if there weren't way more exciting stuff going on everywhere else um i th- i think that this might this might have been all right in 2010 yeah. Like, but it's not 2010. It's six years past that. And I understand people who just want variations on a theme. That's cool. Um, but there ain't a lot of variation on this theme. And I don't think the quality is that high either. There's just not a lot that made me go. There weren't riffs that made me want to fucking headbang till my neck snapped. The beatdowns didn't make me want to fucking start biting the wall. Yeah. Like, it was just like, oh, all right. Yeah, I mean, the, the very, like you say, the very nature of, of Deathcore, unfortunately, is it's, it's, it's very dated mm. now. Yeah. Because it was such a moment 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Because it was so, it's so kind of evocative of 2006 mm. when this was the most sort of hottest new sound. Yeah. I mean, I remember giving fucking Genesis 5Ks in Kerrang. Yeah, the only I remember album, reading that. It's the only album that I ever gave 5Ks when yeah. I was there. I went and bought that record off the no. back of that as oh, well. That's sick. And, um, yeah, but it's just so evocative of that time, but it doesn't really add anything else to it. Like mm. I say, the only 
gold star I will give it is that unlike most of those bands who call themselves deathcore, I can at least hear that they listen to and like hardcore. No. The problem with that is you have to, it's no good just owning a sick of it all album. You yeah. have to be able to do it as well. I and spe- I don't feel like, yeah. I don't feel like they do. You know, the way malevolence really get hardcore and, yeah. are, and are doing what's really great and cutting edge when it comes to the hardcore end of it now. Yeah, well, this don't do that. Um, so that is Beast from Despised Icon. Uh, it does also feature one of the most ludicrous moments of any album this year on Bad Vibes, where it's got that squeal that goes... Yeah. You have to listen to it to hear what I'm talking about. Go and check out Bad Vibes. It is fucking ridiculous I'm not, in, I'm not in a good way so let's talk a little bit about london film and comic con we'll get your three characters that are the most metal characters going right now so as i mentioned earlier emp and that's not metal going to be at london film and comic con this weekend we need your help we are talking the most metal characters you have mischief written all over your face yeah i've just realized what the the thing that connects my three oh good right well we'll get to that but what we want from you and steve is about to answer is who is the most metal character outside of music films movie like movies video games television shows comics celebrities anyone you can think of that's metal we want a picture and the hashtag emp uk crew don't let us down on this let us know we want to see because it will all go on to the big screen at london film and comic con all about the most metal character steve yes mate your three most metal characters i got three and they all they're all from the 80s of course they are. Yeah. Oh, no, it's not the 90s. Yeah, it's I know. It's an improvement. I'm going <laughs> well, with it. It's worse, isn't it? Uh, Robocop. Robocop is a good shout. He's literally made of metal. He is made of metal. What do you think um, Robocop would listen to? <sighs> Ministry. Yeah, I think he'd listen to... Well, I was actually, I was going to say, like, early Danzig. Godflesh. Yeah, he might, it's a bit of, yeah, something, yeah. Really into, something really streetsy. Yeah. Robocop's uh, a man who's, like you say, is literally made out of metal. Yeah. Um, and just has a the he walks like you know when you go to Bloodstock and you see them holding a beer yeah he walks like one of them which is why I thought <laughs> he it, does like, they walk around <laughs> holding their arms apart he walks like that moving their chest like, I wish you could I'm, see what I'm he's off doing to watch it. Sabaton yes here I go yes there you go so he'd be one Robocop's a good shout uh, literally made of metal so um, no one can argue on do you want that the one. female one first yeah got him grot bags. Grot bags, not like like an actual. If you have never seen grot bags, which I reckon is at least half of you, I'd say get your phone out now and Google grot bags. Right, grot bags is basically what I was just saying about with Ursula from the Little Mermaid. Except if you actually made her real, that would be grot bags. And grot bags was so up for fucking people's shit up. She's great. <laughs> like it's just a fucking, just like. Like, so it's Rod Hull and Emu. people shit up like the Ice King in Adventure <laughs> yeah. Time. Just like so angry. Because yeah. I thought about Skeletor. She did. She used to shout about Skeletor because he was always like, get He-Man. But actually, yeah. Grotbags would like 
beat up. She beat up Croc. Or she had Croc yeah. and the other one. Oh, we just got back on Majestical, <laughs> that one. And she'd be like, fucking get the, get the emu. Get yeah. the hole. She would be mess. so angry She was as well. fucking aggro as fuck. Yeah. She is like... What would Croc bag Crowd kill. Yeah, bags. she would go crowd killing. <laughs> she listened to New York. Why don't you like emus? She Slap. would go, uh, she would listen to New York hardcore extensively. Yeah. Agnostic front. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, Crow, ba- Crow mags, grot bags, rip t-shirt, please. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, and uh, the final one is Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Metal. He's a bit weedy. Beetlejuice? A bit weedy. Beetlejuice? Yeah, he's a bit weedy, isn't he? Be- oh, I better not say it. <laughs> <laughs> you, to- you totally lured me in. That is, a, that is an audible high five that you just had. That was fucking amazing. No, I think he is. Oh, actually- I'm so disappointed that I <laughs> fell for that. Um, I think I think he is, actually. I think he's quite... I don't think he's nerdy. He goes down a strip club. It's got big things coming out of him. He's the undead. He's got, he goes to a strip club with big things sticking Yeah, out. he's got them big spikes, hasn't he? Oh, I thought you were talking about he's... Willie. No. And uh, he's not nerdy. Is he not? No, nah, he's all no, right. He doesn't, it, like, he doesn't strike me as... Well, maybe. He's a greed, mate. He's he a is proper, a greed. He's the sort of person that you would imagine listening to, like... He, he could play bass for Breed 77. He's the sort of person, right, who if he was at a dinner table and he had a runny nose, he'd take his long sleeve T-shirt and he'd wipe it. Mm. You ever seen Greaves do that? Yeah. When they pull the T-shirt up and they wipe their nose? It was, it was either going to be him or Vivian from The Young Ones. That's a really but good But I thought shout. maybe Vivian from The Young Ones is a little bit too obvious. No, I don't know. Vivian's writing it down. Fucking hell. Vivian. Like, no, I've got pictures because I yeah. did these earlier. Uh, who else? Yes, we've got a video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about Star Wars, right? Right. And everyone like a uh, Vader, like. Yeah. But I would Obvious. go. I would go with Darth Maul over Vader because he's got corpse paint on. Yeah. Red and black, isn't it? Well, again, Beetlejuice corpse paint. He has got corpse paint. It's a really good shout. Yeah. Uh, not Kylo Ren though, because he's emo. As, as, no. As we all know. Or uh, so yeah. Because he's awful. Yeah, he's not metal at all. Uh, so what we want? Reggae, any? Yeah, like, he's, he's like David Draymond. Jar Jar Binks and David Draymond. Up a tree. <laughs> chilling. K i s s i a g and ting. Chilling man. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> so what we want from you is the most metal character. We want a picture from you. Hashtag EMP UK crew. Oh, let's get on with the show. This has gone terribly uh. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Judge Humbings been dreaming in a tree. Chilling, man. <laughs> So, Album Club this week, it's Black Gives Way to Blue from Alice in Chains. Right, so let's let's start this at the past, and we're going to talk a little bit because you went to see him this week. I did, yeah. In New York. I, I absolutely did. Uh, so, let's talk at first about the passing of Lane Staley. So, it, as we've said before on this podcast, it felt like it was a long time coming. Mm. It was the metal or hard rock equivalent of when Amy Winehouse died. Yeah. When it was like, like, oh God, I hope they're going to be all right. I hope they're going to be all right. Amy Winehouse is dead. Well, the 
the rock equivalent of that was Lane Staley. For years, everyone knew he was he was in a bad way, and then all of a yeah. sudden, it was like, oh, Lane's dead. Um, did you ever think that we would see Alice in Chains again? No, he, never. His character is such a like spoiler alert black gives way to blue is wicked um <laughs> right but his character lane is so so fucking indented on every like his presence looms so large on alice in chains records that it shrouds it like shrouds everything mm. every element like it feels like his voice has a connection to like oh, every it, everything that goes on on an alice in chains record it feels like his voice almost slathers all over well if if ever somebody's mindset could infect the musicians around them yeah it's on dirt yeah. Well, on really on on all of everything. It. Yeah, yeah. Even I mean, even on facelift, where it's all a bit more rock star, you can definitely tell that this is a band that spent a lot of time playing the strip and all the rest of it, uh, yeah. which they did. Um, and of course, like Alice in Chains used to be a hair metal band, which lest we forget. Um, so <laughs> because they had that, even when they were doing stuff that was a little bit more rock star, it always seemed dirtier, grubbier, grimier because uh, because of Lane Staley on it. Um, what did you think when they announced that they were going to do... Because it was shows first. This came... This is this was... Ten-year anniversary of um, the the last shows of Lane? Was it yeah, some sort I'm of celebration? Not, I'm not sure. It was like 2006, 2006 if I remember so right. That been, it was when they were yeah, playing yeah. those shows. Um, when it was announced that they were coming back with a new singer, um, I have to say very wrongly, uh, as we'll get to very shortly, like I thought, oh, it's just going to be glorified karaoke and that guy's character is such is the vital component to that band how on earth is that going to work yeah was was i alone in that or no i mean i kind of my default setting in 2016 is cynic yeah back then i even as someone who was not a cynical and was way more wide-eyed and excited Mm. about the idea of rock music i still had no interest in seeing alice in chains i still had no interest in i still felt it felt like a like it, the idea of them going out and like, all right, yeah, do a tribute show, fine, mm. which is what I think yes. they did. Yeah. But the idea of them going back out under the name Alice and Chains, um, that to well. me did did not feel right. Mm. Well, uh, did you see the band prior to Black Gives Way to Blue coming no, out? I didn't. Right, okay. Um, so I will just fill in the blank here quickly because I have spoken about this show before. But yeah. um, we talk about the Astoria, London's most beloved venue if you grew up in the 90s or noughties. Um, and the I think probably the single best show I've ever seen was Alice, uh, like there, like at the Astoria was Alice in Chains. Really? In hell. Mate, it was fucking mind-blowing like going in there kind of going army oh, to show me respects sort of thing yeah like you know i never got to see alice in chains back in the day it'll be fun to at least sing along to the songs what else am i going to do on a tuesday night let's go and see alice in chains at the fucking astoria um and it was mind-blowing how good they were the 
the hard the re I think the reason why I always sat back from from an Alice in Chains reunion was that vocal interplay between Cantrell and Staley. Yeah. I was just like, well, how on earth are they going to do that again? Like it was such a one in a million thing. So that they found a guy who could do it, like. It still blows my mind. It still blows my mind that they got someone in there who could do the job. And now we'll, we'll talk to we'll talk William and Lane and the differences and similarities and all the rest of it coming up. But they could get someone in there who, if Alice in Chains were playing on stage at the Astoria for two hours, opening with "We Die Young," and from there just going "Ang Go," greatest hit set, you're going to have a fucking incredible time. Just can't with those songs and with someone who can pull that off you can't miss um but uh how would you say that william uh differs from lane what are the key differences between those two people i i think oh, i will say he he's lighter in terms of personality yeah. in terms of presence um that's uh, that's no that's no slight on william duval when we no, talk about we're talking about lane staley is one of the most troubled people to set foot on stage he is a ever unique one of the biggest like one of the most unique freaks to ever enter rock music in yeah. in every in literally in every capacity musically personally like that guy was something else there's never been like oh who would you compare lane staley to <laughs> good luck with that he was truly a one off yeah. lane staley yeah so william duval is much more a a rock singer mm. a rock star yeah uh he looks cool you yeah. know he he he, he gives off like the... he's had a shower yeah, yeah, he gives off the vibe of um, this is a show and you're here to be entertained. Yeah, he's a performer. Yeah, which Lane Staley, from the clips I've seen, uh, seems to be in his own little galaxy. So I was watching, so because of this coming up, I was watching on YouTube, I watched a bunch of stuff from from Hollywood in 92 oh. and when they did again into, I think it was We Die Young on Letterman, right? And so you can really get a sense of what Alice in Chains were like with Lane Staley at the front because I've seen William Duval numerous times yeah. now. Um, so, like, looking at that and how wiry and... It's not uncomfortable. It's unsettling, I think, is a good word to look at. Confrontational. The, yeah. This, like, it was absolute fire of him, like, spitting the lyrics at the audience. Like, real, yeah, confrontation. Really yeah. great shout. Like, he was just, like, there and gritted teeth and, like, really fucking snarled up. It felt more... Um, it felt like it had more personality than William Duval, who I think is a slightly edgier Miles Kennedy. Mm. Like the way that Miles Kennedy, when we say about the Guns N' Roses stuff, go, oh, he's a bit too safe. William Duval is not that because he's got enough edge to pull off these songs. But, you know, it's obviously going to be different to that yeah. bloke because there ain't another one of them anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of hitting the actual notes yeah. and the tone of his voice eerily similar yeah i mean uh, this is what i was struck with i mean we'll probably we'll talk about the new york show mm. probably later on but 
I did sit there like one of the things that was one of the most sort of overriding things about the entire performance was that I did go I've been listening to Alison Chains, particularly the Lane Staley era, Alison Chains mm. stuff. I've been on a real binge recently for right. them. So when I heard they were playing in New York, I was like, I have to go. So to see those songs being performed, obviously it was it was brilliant, by yeah. the way. But you the noticeable edge that was shaven up, you know, the kind of the rough edges that were smoothed off, it was definitely noticeable. And that's not to say that it wasn't good or it wasn't still affecting or it wasn't, mm. you know, it didn't have the menace that those songs as it is kind of inherent in the DNA of those songs, but, but it's not, it wasn't the same. I'm, it couldn't be the same. I'm going to use whole as an example here, right now, there is a very marked difference between the whole that made, despite the fact that it's virtually the same lineup. Yeah. Um, I think it might actually be the same lineup that wrote and recorded live through this and wrote and recorded Celebrity Skin, yeah. right? Celebrity Skin was the same band. It was just slicker and more polished and less troubled. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, when you listen to the go on, take everything I want you to, you're on Violet and things like that, yeah. it sounds like a dying woman's last cry. Whereas Celebrity Skin, biting and still got that personality to it, but nowhere near as, as venomous. And I feel like Alice in Chains and the, the difference between... So a song, stylistically, a song like God Am or uh, Bleed the Freak, right? Would sit on Black Gives Way to Blue. Yeah. Right? It's just... It sounds nastier and more troubled. It's just a bit more obtuse. It's a bit more unclean and, dare I say, less accessible with, with Lane at the helm. Yeah. For those reasons. Because William Duval comes across... Um, you can't relate like it, it's it's out from being outside looking in always is how you felt like with Alice in Chains because you can't I can you can't relate to Lane Staley yeah. do you know what I mean you can't relate to him lyrically in a lot of ways and all the rest of it because it's so extreme and because it's so grueling um, I think you'd have to be a sort and sort of a certain sort of someone to be able to really go oh like i feel a real kinship with lane yeah. like that's what i mean by it feels like kind of at the zoo looking <laughs> looking yeah. through the bars yeah at alice in chains and, back and then. being glad there are bars like yeah exactly that like like i wouldn't i, I don't think i'd want to hang backstage with alice in chains in 96 whereas in 2016 that yeah it feels like a a more doable thing so i'm not saying i'm just saying that Black Gives Way to Blue is, and the William, the William Duval take on Alice in Chains is just a safer place to be. Mm. But that that's not like suggesting that they're old, boring millionaires now. No. Like, because everything that they've done with Duval, live shows and, and this album, less so the one after wow. it. Like, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but like, brilliant. It's just what they were before was one of the greatest combinations in the history of rock music. Um, so, yeah, I've done the subtle shift stuff, haven't I? So <laughs> let's talk about the songs. What was your first impression when you heard this album? When did you first hear this album? I heard Check My Brain. Oh, did you really? You heard that first? Yeah. Check My Brain was the single. And that was the first thing. 
I think it was my friend Ben said to me, oh, you've heard the new Alice in Chains song? And I went, Waves. Don't care. Yeah. And then I heard Shake My Brain. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is going some way to making Quite. me really be interested now. Like, I, I went to, um, I went to a, an album playback um, and it started, and I, I, like, that first song was like, wow, that's, that's really good. And then, I, I remember looking at Dave Ling, uh, I just looked like a famous classic rock writer, looking at him and just going, fuck me, when that well, explodes. I'll tell you that when I saw them the other day, they started, it was um, Them Bones, yeah. We Die Young, Again, Check My Brain, Man in the Box. First five songs? <laughs> yeah. Fuck off, behave. Angry Chair. What? Right? So I was sitting there going, and I mean, the company within yeah. that, around it, that's one of their new songs, and you were like, and when they did that, it went off just as much as it went oh, off for anything. It's, it's as that song is a blueprint for how good hard rock music can be. Yeah, definitely. Proper fucking top down on your car, driving along in the fucking sun, rocking. Yeah. Check my brain is the fucking one. But again, even even in that description, it's not what you would usually say about yeah. Alice in Chains. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That sheen, that song is a, is a blueprint for the heart. Like, it's there. It's the, the distant cousin of We Die Young. Mm. Uh, and I think what, I mean, I'm not a fan of The Devil Put The Dinosaurs Here either. No. Um, and I think the reason for that is because this album is is a tribute and it's got, it very much like when the Manic Street Preachers mm. lost Richie Edwards. Yeah. And they'd gone from being the band who made the Holy Bible and spray yeah. painting stuff all over them to a band who won two Brit Awards as best album and best band. And yeah. they were suddenly man and CNA and they were all dressed nice and they yeah. were playing this quite grand rock music for the Brit pop generation. Yeah. Richie Edwards sort of spirit was still on that album. And yeah. that's why I still count that as, well, the first four Manics albums I love. Right. And then once they'd got all that kind of pain of his disappearance out mm. of their system, that's when they stopped being a, a less interesting band. With this record, you can, I, just about all of it feels like Lane Staley is tapping, cryptically tapping them on the shoulder and saying, slow down, make it darker. There's, there's a little, <laughs> yeah, I, I do you know what, what I mean? Saying, there's yeah. a sort of, it feels like they're, whether it is conscious or not, it feels like, you can't help as a listener and a long-time fan, and I would imagine, and don't want to, you know, we can only speculate, but the band were probably thinking, this is weird, isn't it? We're in this studio and normally late, we'd be trying to get something out of Lane. And, mm. you know, there's a lot of very obvious reference points to Lane Staley yeah. and starting again. And well, the fucking opening words yeah. on All Secrets Known, like literally the first words on the album is something about a new beginning, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, this is Alice in Chains without Lane Staley in the same way as Everything Must Go is The Man Street Preachers without Richie Edwards. Mm. They might not physically be in a band, but he's still there. Yeah. And I think that's why this record is a really brilliant record. And that's why when they tick over to the next one with The Devil Put the Dinosaurs Here, 
they lose that and they lose mm. so much of what made them a brilliant band. I mean, I hope they we can We talk make a lot a about album. millionaire rock stars yeah. as well. And let's face it, like they still had, they, if they were going to come back and put an album out after Lane's death, um, like that's, they've got something to prove. Yeah. When you come back with an album as fucking like we do a lot of moaning about comebacks on this show mm. because most of them are crap. Like yeah. we don't just moan about shit for no reason. It's not a set rule. Like comebacks suck. No, no, no. Comebacks suck. If, if it sucks, yeah. it doesn't always suck. Faith no more. Brilliant record after some brilliant shows. Still play brilliant shows now. Uh, I think that they'll do another brilliant record as well. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, at this, this was the one that broke the mould. After watching like Motley Crue come back and me going like, I'll take it. Yeah. I didn't see him back in the day. I've seen him now. Wasn't the earth shattering thing that I wanted it to be. I'll take it. Like compared to Alice in Chains and that Astoria show and this record because... Because Lane was such that that presence that we've spoken about at the front of the band, like Jerry Cantrell's a guitar hero, we know it. Like when someone asked on the questions page this week, um, who in the world has got the best guitar tone? Well, if we were to answer that question, Jerry Cantrell would be in the conversation, Certainly. like ever, yeah, f- like full stop. So that's the level of guitar hero he is, and Inez and. Uh, Kinney um, are so criminally underrated when you've got a song like uh, what's that one Last of My Kind the yeah. one that's after Check, Check My Brain yeah. when it's got that fucking incredible turn of pace that smash all the da, 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 yeah. like that when it does that um, firstly I'll give praise to Inez that band has one guitar player in it and sounds that mighty, and that has got an awful lot to do, to do with Mike Inez as well. Uh, same way as when we talk about Rex Brown in Pantera, yeah. like that guy deserves so much more credit than he gets. And those turn of turns of pace are so affecting, and it's so hard to do something with a band that go off in. A, different tangents you know what i mean all of a sudden they'll be doing all this weird war laden eastern influenced guitar stuff but you still need a solid backbeat to that you still need it to to have that crunch and that groove while being you know psychedelic and all the rest of it and kenny is fucking brilliant at that mm-hmm. and those three combined with a a safer environment Mm -hmm. like that's i think that's why this record is as good as it is because it's also the other members of that band being a bit more like we were here too yeah i mean everyone can tell you um chris cornell's in Soundgarden. not not everyone else can tell you the other members of that band it's true right like i think that like people might have known cantrell as well but i mm. think this was a real triumph for alice in chains as a unit yeah not as like the 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 back like this sounds so condescending i really don't mean it to be but like it's it's more talking up lane than talking down the guys in Alice in Chains, but being the canvas for this fucking weird freak superstar, like it became more Alice in Chains. Mm. Like, yo, we can still do this even without him, but even after like the sadness of him of him dying. Um, I think the ballads have got a different 
flavour though. Yeah. I think the, the the one the one part because I could like Last of My Kind was made to be sung by Lane, right? Like listen to it. Yeah. Like that where, where he does that feed the fucking lions. Like you can hear him all over it. Um but on the ballad stuff, because because A, because their legacy with I mean, it feels weird calling Alice in Chains' slower acoustic material ballads, but let's do it just for argument's sake. Sure. Like, um, when they are less haunting is when, is the, are the only times where I go, well, you know, I mean, I, like, I can take, like, that. this is really good, but that's the biggest place where I feel the dip. Like, Private Hell's fucking great, um, and I like your decision as well, but do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I was about to say your decisions. I think is is brilliant. Um, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think again, it's there's there's a sort of I I I've, I love this record from beginning to end. To be perfectly honest, and I think those ballads. I don't know. It felt like because. My favourite Alice in Chains release ever is the MTV Unplugged stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always, so I wanted them to do these these slower songs. Like I love the slower songs. They do yeah, feel same. much more. I know what you're saying. They feel less sinister and they feel much yeah, more that's kind it. of like the, Hollywoody it and ballady. Like it doesn't lessen the songs because the songwriting is fucking brilliant. I'm yeah. just saying that, like that creepy, eerie, sinister edge that Lane had was never more apparent than on the slower yeah, that, stuff, that like fucking true, yeah. Nutshell and Heaven Beside yeah. You and like even a song that sounds nice like Heaven Beside You, like the, like it just feels there's something not quite right. Do, yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That sinister edge is, no band's done it like Alice in Chains. But I think there's, it's this is a different sort of, because it it's not sinister, but it feels like it's very. Mo- it's, it's it's almost like the whole thing feels like it's so slow and so kind of throbbingly melodic mm. the whole way through. It's so somber. It's so kind of the the pace of it like it crawls along like like a wounded animal in a lot of ways. It's not kind mm. of sinister and threatening like we were saying about Lane. It's like heartache. So it was a different type of Alice in like we've said before you know yeah it's a different type of Alice in Chains but I love the fact that you know it felt more rather than feeling sinister it felt like these are people who are who are in pain it actually kind of hurts mm. like and this is a great way to 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 for his legacy to be mm. kind of remembered it felt like a like a wake the whole album feels yeah. like a wake you know what I mean Elton John I, yeah, Elton John comes in and does Elton a, John's on the last does song. a great job. Yeah. Just playing some really, you know, tinkly tinkling the old ivories, isn't he? It's weird. It's it, weird, it, yeah. It's, it's weird, but like I'm into it. Like mm. it's not it's not Sean Paul and Simple Plan weird. No. It's it's weird, but that that element does work. Well the thing it is could have lived without it as well, but like as a uh, nice touch, it does it does really fucking add something. Yeah, I, the thing the thing is is like someone like Elton Elton John, I mean unlike Sean Paul and Simple Plan or fucking Sebastian the Crab or whatever, yeah. he doesn't come in and try and dominate the album. Great shit. He doesn't come yep. in and try and go it's Elton John's in the house. Here is Alison Chains and <laughs> Elton is John. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Elton, Elton John. John. I can't lie. <laughs> oh, the right romantically. He doesn't do... Beautiful, Thank mate. Um, Don't let your son go down on me. He doesn't... Um, <laughs> uh, he doesn't... 
<laughs> he doesn't like come along and, and make it known that oh this is Elton John doing this yeah, thing totally you and have so to know it's all that right. to know it yeah, yeah I agree to know. like if you didn't know you wouldn't know so let's quickly quickly bash it because we are running long yeah we are right? um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the live show you talked about what they opened with and all the rest of it so yeah. we said that the album after Black Gives Way to Blue not quite up to it no. live show still rocking yes? live show still great uh, funny one, isn't it, really? Because after a while, like, what I did think, um, I kind of wanted to talk about this w- w- around radio as well, was that when, like, the first time I saw them come back, mm. it, I was super emotional. Having lived yeah. with the album, I saw them at Sonosphere's kind of main They're support, really to, and well, they were yeah. so good. And it was really, like, heart-flutteringly brilliant. Yeah. Like, I felt really kind of... Bright sunshine during yeah. that as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And I haven't seen them a couple of times since. Going to see them the other day, I was like... It's weird because you kind of go, oh, I'm used to Alice in Chains being a band again. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Especially like Alice in Chains are out on the road in America at the moment, opening for Guns and Roses. Alice in Chains and a firing on all cylinders from what I've seen, Guns and Roses, yeah. sounds like the best fucking night out going. And I've got to say, I mean, the set list was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, nutshell. Um, like ended with wood. The, the encore was yeah. was rooster. Um, <laughs> uh, got me wrong. Oh really? And wood. Uh, like you got down in the hole. Obviously, yeah. you got fucking man in the bot. Like ugh. the whole thing was just. They was are everything you wanted. They're a one-off. Ah, yeah. oh, it's nice when we do these every now and then. And like, Alice in Chains are a band that we've always gone. Oh, I like Alice in Chains. This is the first time that we've really gone in depth on yeah. them. If you a lot of whooping as well, by the way, a lot of like a lot of whooping. Yeah, right. They fucking saying. whoop, don't they, in yeah. America? Yeah, Shit in the bed. yeah. So I'm gonna fit in so yeah, well out you there. really are um, so yeah that's that's uh, that was That's Not Metal this week powered by EMP next week we will be back talking about the new albums from Moose Blood and Periphery uh, we'll talk about Revocation as well I think okay. probably as well because we haven't done that yet That's Not Metal.net on Wednesday we will be with you talking all about the roots of hardcore this is the first time that we've done the history of a genre you know what to expect from our band specials so you know what to expect from this we will be smashing it clear out of the park for you if you're a subscriber £3 a month or £17 for an entire year both of those things get you access to our back catalogue of specials 10% is yours if you are buying band merch this week buy it from EMP emp emp-online.co.uk use the code NOTMETAL and you can get 10% off of your order we will see you next week I'm walking here (laughs) As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 